Yo, what's up, everybody? My name is Jerome, and welcome to the podcast of Influencers Impact. What's going on, guys? This is Jerome, and I am joined with the one and only Levi Mary Church, uh, pastoring at Liberty City in Ottawa with his wife, Nadia. And, dude, I'm excited because... Um, you and I connect a little bit in auto, but it's cool that we can still be able to connect outside of being in the same city, especially when you got something like Zoom. Totally, man. How good's technology? Yeah, it's the best. It's the best. For you, um, especially with what's been going on in the world right now with the pandemic and all that nonsense, what does your day look like? What's, like, what's the day in the life for, for Levi? Oh, man, it's changed so much. I think, you know, like, Especially when um, when when the pandemic started, we're talking like March and April. Yeah, um, you know the kids basically just had March break and then didn't go back to school. Um, <laughs> you know, and so really the, the a day to day life in the life of a parent really changed. Mm. We worked from home, um, so there was a lot more um, there's a lot more noise around the house and activity, and then you're trying yeah. to homeschool the kids. So all of that kind of balance. And I suppose when we went back to when they went back to school um, only two weeks ago, mm. um, you know, you can breathe a, sort of a breath of fresh air. There's a bit, a bit more quiet around the house, and it, the kids obviously are so pumped to be back at school. Yeah. Um, so it kind of varied, you know, like you had these really these down seasons where the pandemic started, um, and then it kind of ramped up, and then it chilled out for the summertime. So it's been it's really changed. Um, I think now that things are sort of steadying themselves a little bit in the day to day life then I like to get back into rhythm of like each day has its own goal, you know, so to try and make sure that every day doesn't look the same or right. else it just very bland. But if every day can be like, okay, Tuesday's a prep and planning day, Wednesday's I'm going to do whatever podcast with you. Thursday's I'm going to go and meet people out, you know, downtown, whatever. So I'm, I try to make sure that my days have got a really clear goal. Um, mm-hmm. And that not every day you're trying to achieve the same things. I, I think is probably what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, that makes that makes total sense. And I think even with what you just said, like as a parent, as a leader, like it's always changing. But yeah. you got you to gotta be one to kind of keep that routine and know that your routine isn't going to be like strong foundational. It might change. You have to be able to tweak a little bit. For sure. Um, now, you are pastoring in, in Ottawa. Were you always wanting to be a pastor? Or is that something that God kind of called you to later on in your life? Yeah, um, good question, man. I mean, when I was in high school, I really wanted to be a school teacher. That was like my that was my goal. You know, I wanted to leave school, get a, a bachelor's degree, be a school teacher, and um, and and you know that was my dream. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I transitioned into wanting to be uh, started started studying law. So I studied law for four years, and I wanted to get into uh, local politics in New Zealand, and with the goal of being, you know, like in in a in a key political position in New Zealand. Then uh, I guess, you know, really um, during that process, I just felt like God was speaking to me or, or at least he, that sense of that impression on my heart of like, those were great goals and they went wrong, but there was something else there that I feel like God was kind of, um, you know, God was calling me to. And then I realized that was pastoral ministry. So I left university in about, uh, well, like, man, what are we, 2020, I left university at like 2004, maybe 2004, something like that. And pretty much have been doing church ministry ever since. Wow. Yeah. So it's been uh, it's been great, man. It's like six, 15, 16 years of, of church ministry. Wow, that's amazing. 
What yeah. would you say, because um, I know it's probably changed from when you first started into ministry to where you're at now, what would you say is kind of like your creative process with writing a sermon? Like what are some resources or commentaries or things like that that you use to kind of help you prepare a sermon or a message? Well, I think that the most important, a really important place to start with message prep is, um, you know, you, you want to speak from revelation, not from just a good idea. You know, yeah. So I think that you know, we, we all have good ideas and we kind of like that, you know, so in my mind, I'm, I'm bouncing through. I've had an idea. Is that the idea? Is it a God idea, so to speak? Or is it just yeah. another great idea that was an epiphany from a movie or something like that? You know, mm. so then once I think you find that nugget of revelation, like that's the one thing that I feel like God wants to speak. Like, like this is a for instance. So I'm writing down a message for this Sunday and we're meeting back again physically mm. uh, as a church. And I'm like, man, I want to speak on worship. You know, like I think that'll be really cool. Because I think that if there's anything that's going to be compelling for people when they're at church on Sunday, it's going to be able to, it's, that they're going to see their friends again. Yeah. But I think more than that, I think it's going to be corporate worship. So I was like, man, I might as well actually just make the whole sermon for that 25 minutes actually just about engaging the congregation in worship again, like, and getting people excited for that. So then I'm like, okay, you know, cool. So I start writing that down. And that's not a, that, that's not a revelation. That's just a good idea, right? Even, yeah. though, even though it's about God. So I'm writing, writing, writing. And then, um, and then I think it's in, um, I forget exactly what scripture it's in, but um, God says to the Israelites, he says, uh, yeah, Judges 20, the Israelites went up to Bethel and inquired of God. They said, who of us is to go first and to fight against the Benjamites? And the Lord replied, Judah shall go first. And I was like, man, God always sends the worship first. Like Judah spoke of the high place. Geographically, it was the high place in southern Israel. And so it speaks of the high place. And the high place often will speak of worship. And so you get that sense like Judah means praise. It's got that, um, it's got that lion's roar, all those analogies, all those, all those metaphors through the scriptures. So then I'm like, oh, okay, God does always send, you know, like Gideon's army, the walls of Jericho, the priests in the Jordan River. Yeah. It's often the priests or the praise and worship that, you know, that, that sense of like, we're singing a song unto God goes first. So then I was like, and in my mind, I go, oh, you know what? Um, uh, God wants worship to go first. But for the Christian, it's often the first thing that goes. Hmm. It's the first thing that we let go of. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, then I bounce into Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we, we hung up our harps. And I kept as, I kept as, you know, um, said for us to sing one of the songs of Israel, you know, one of the songs of Zion. Yeah. So there's that, there's that sense like that being mocked, like you used to sing, but now you're defeated. You don't sing anymore in a foreign land. So then I'm transitioning going, okay, wow. All right. As Christians, the first thing we let go of is our worship when we feel defeated. Wow. But God says worship goes first. So then I'm like, okay, God says it goes first, but it's often the first to go. So mm. now I've got, now I'm cooking with gas. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? So it started from a, like just an idea of like, I should preach on worship. Mm. So now I'm in the word. Yeah. And now, I'm, now, now I'm in, you know, that scripture and judges and now I'm in Psalms. Okay. Now I've actually got like just a seed thought mm. or a sermon. And I think I'll probably call the sermon. Uh, it, it might be like a subtle play on words, but I might call it Judah is the first to go. Wow. And really like God's calling Judah to go first, but it's often yeah. the first to go. So as a Christian, like we must not let our song be evaporated by our circumstances. Yeah. 
but we sing regardless of how we feel. You know, we worship God because he is, he's, he's already won. He's in control. Everything's going to be okay. We mm. worship him because he's in his high place. So that's, you know, that's probably just like that. That was uh, yesterday. So, you know, I'm try, I try and take, take that journey. Yeah. And then now once I'm there, now I'm just trying to reiterate that same thing over the course of the, the 20 minute sermon length. That's amazing. Mm. I think, I think um, your process with where God carries you with that idea is that I love how you said it first, it's an idea. And then you got to go to the word for the revelation for God to be able yeah. to unravel it. Yeah. Um, because I find like sometimes, uh, you know, I, when I started young in ministry, I always made the mistake of having an idea and trying to find a scripture that matches my idea. Yep. Instead of having the idea and then continuing in the word to see what God is saying, regardless, like I'm not looking for it. God will just reveal it to me. So I, I like how you brought it up, how you have that time, you find that revelation, let God speak. And then he'll, where you want it to start, he'll end up taking you somewhere else that will wrap it all back. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it's brilliant. Would you, what would you say, or who would you say are some pastors or other leaders that have inspired you in your life? Oh man, great question. I think like, especially today, like with the technology and with the, the world that we live in, you know, you can mm -hmm. be inspired and mentored by people from afar, you know? Yeah. Um, so you it could be people you've never met. I think when I, when I think about like, um, stay, well, first of all, you're inspired by who you, what you value, right? So mm -hmm. that's, you know, so people are like, Oh, I love this. I love LeBron James because he's so dominant in the sport, works so hard, you know, family guy, whatever. Essentially what that person is saying is I really value hard work and yeah. I value success and I value whatever. So, I think that really the question I think you're asking is what do you value and how have you seen that in others to cultivate that yeah. value? You know? yeah. So when I, when I think about people that inspire me, I think about a guy like Jensen Franklin, who's a pastor from um, Gainesville, um, Georgia, in at, like in that, you know, in, the, uh, in Atlanta. Yeah. And, you know, really he's runs a church with free chapel. But when I think about him, for me, he's like, he's integrous, he's honest. Mm. Um, he's got longevity in the ministry great preacher, great family. And so I'm like, great, here's a guy that I, you know, that, that I, those things that I, I value, mm -hmm. he has got 50 years in the game. Um, you know what I mean? So I think about those guys, um, uh, for sure, a guy like Jensen Franklin's really, really inspiring. Um, a few people coming out of like Australia, um, like New Zealanders who have planted churches in Australia. Phil Pringle um, planted a church called C3 New York City, uh, sorry, C three Global, and then they have a New York City campus, yeah. Sydney campus. Like they got, you must have, a, a, I think, five hundred C three churches globally. Wow. Started that I think in the eighties, and um, you know, inspiring guy Brian Houston, Hillsong Church, Global Movement. So these guys, and especially because they're like home homegrown heroes okay. in terms of like they're originally from New Zealand as well. For me, that that people where I'm like, man, you know, that they're actually like again, longevity, integrity. Yeah. You know, I value those things, not just the prowess of having a great, a really great communicator, you know, or a great, great leader, so to speak. Yeah, They're actually yeah. good, good people, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I relate with you when you said, you know, it's about integrity and longevity. Because um, the thing with me is everywhere I went, I always said, God, like longevity is my thing. Like I, yeah. I want to be all in. And, you know, due to circumstances that I couldn't control, transition happened um, twice so far. But I'm like, God. I like, I, we had a conversation, God, this is it. Like longevity is where I feel relationships are built, where yep. you can actually establish 
a foundation um, and really just to grow as a person. And yeah, so um, I completely agree with you. Like instead of looking at people that are the best communicators, it's more like their, what's their character like and, and the integrity and the things that they, they do when no one else is watching. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Now you mentioned um, earlier that you were in New Zealand and I, I know a little bit about your story, but for those people that might be watching this or listening, um, you have an incredible journey that God kind of did in your life. I mean, there's a lot of things, but the fact that you were in New Zealand amazes me and God called you to come to Ottawa and plant a church. Um, if you can, with the time that we have, uh, are you able slash willing to kind of share a little bit of what that journey was like and following the voice of God that kind of prompt you towards the direction of, of being in Ottawa and planting a church coming from New Zealand? Yeah, for sure. Look, I think when it comes to hearing from God or people talking about hearing from God, mm -hmm. I'm always like, I'm always, um, I guess I want to be cautious because I think that when you have, especially when you have a young audience and you talk about hearing from God, people can really just go, okay, cool. I want to go and hear from God and yeah. um, make a lot of assumptions about what that's like. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, when I, when I look at the journey of us moving our whole family of four kids from, and there was about uh, 10 to 20 people that came with us to start the church from New Zealand all the way over to Canada, we'd never been here before. Mm -hmm. Really the journey is, and, and when I left, I was uh, uh, 34 Wow. Yeah, 34 years old. Really, the journey is about going, I've been a Christian since I was 13. And so the hearing God journey is like two decades in the making, you know, because yeah. you, you kind of you have a faith really early on as a teenager and then you start to grow and develop. And I, I really want to encourage people that hearing from God is about small things mm. and making sure that what you think you hear lines up with his character. That Because everything we need to know about God, we know through the word. Right. There's nothing else outside of the Bible that we need to know to know God. Every like the Bible is the cohesive book that helps us understand the nature of God. Mm -hmm. So when we hear from God and when we believe God speaks to us, when we believe God activates spiritual gifts, we need to make sure that those are foundationally embedded in, in the, the character of God that we know from the scriptures. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, you know what I mean? So, and, and, and so I think that's really important to kind of like at, at the front end, just make sure that people know, that that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, Thank you. Uh, and, and, and so, I mean, look, bro, like hearing, hearing from God, you know, it's scary, man, because, yeah. you know, we started feeling in about 2000 and like 2017, maybe even earlier than 20, 2016, maybe like God had, God had the sense, like he, he called us to something else. Mm. There was something of a DNA in us. Maybe we could start a church. So then I started talking to Nadia, you know, shout out to the wife. <laughs> that's right. You know, and it's like, Hey, you know, but this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? He's like, yeah, I feel the same thing. So then you got to, you got that sense, like you got to witness, you know? And I think that for spouses, our goal is not to um, convince our spouse of something, but to journey. Oh, what do you feel? No. Okay. Maybe I'm off. Yeah. I can't shake it. Where are you at? Yeah. I've come around. What do you think? Yeah. This is what I think. So the conversations like that, it probably every three months we started talking like, Hey, where are you at? What do you think? Wow. This is, this is what I'm thinking, you know? So, um, and then, really we started praying like, okay, God, if we want to start a church, if that's what you've called us to do when and where. So then it was very much like, okay, we actually feel called definitively called to Canada mm. um, through this, just through praying about it. So we're like, wow, Canada would be great. Like, you know, 
and then we felt like God called us specifically to the capital. So then we started searching like what's the capital city. I I, I know it was Ottawa because I'd done some study in university before on on, yeah. on Canada, but Nadi had no idea. So she's like, "Wow, crazy!" Um, you know, I thought it was like Toronto. And I was like, "No, exactly. no, it was a place called Ottawa, right?" You know. Yeah. So then we flew to then we 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 um you know spoke with our pastor, kind of like you know resigned our jobs, and then flew. Flew here with our flew here with our kids. Sold all of our possessions. Flew to um to land in Toronto. Drove to Ottawa. Twenty eighteen in April we got here. Wow. Uh, or oh, May, May. I got here in May, twenty eighteen, and then basically spent the next year just meeting people. We had all of our savings. Didn't take a salary from the church. The church was really non-existent. We just like, you know, like just trying to trying to meet people and establish something. Yeah. And then once we kind of built those relationships, then we 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 launched the church officially in 2019 in May. Hmm. Uh, and then so we celebrated one year as a church in during quarantine, but you know, wow. right at the start of quarantine. So it was yeah, classic, that's a, bro. That's, dude, that's for one, that is a, an incredible journey. And I love that you were saying like, you know, young people that want to want to hear from God. It's like, they want to put their headphones on and the same way they listen to music. They think God's going to talk to them right away. And, and he can I'm not saying he won't, yeah. but, yeah. I love how you established that first it was a foundation that you had to build with like two decades. So it wasn't something that just happened again. It can, but it's like a relationship. It takes time. You understand the voice of your spouse. Even if your eyes were closed, you would know where Nadia is and she could guide you through a maze because you've established that relationship. And I think it's the same with a relationship with God. If he's speaking over time, you want to make sure God is this you, this is what you want to do. But um, what I want to encourage you with is, you know, when I first came to Ottawa, came back to Ottawa, I should say, because that's my hometown, and uh, started pastoring, and then I uh, found you online, and like we met up from that very moment, I don't even know if you knew, know this, but from that very moment, you left an impact on me um, in a huge way, because I remember going back to my wife, I'm like, I just met this guy for the first time, had a conversation, and he was able to speak into my life about this and this, and he had no idea what I was going through. And, and so like you encouraged me to step out. And when you were sharing how like God called you from New Zealand, like I couldn't even understand Ottawa to me was small. I'm like Ottawa, like I've been here forever. There's nothing here. But the fact that God called someone out of the country, out of Canada to plant a church in the capital city and seeing like what is going on with Liberate, uh, Liberate, uh, city and what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing. So I just yeah. want to encourage you with that, that you've Thanks, even up to this point, I've still left um, an impact on me. But my question I kind of want to ask is uh, what would you say have been maybe some principles um, that have shaped you as a leader that you could encourage someone else with? Yeah. Good question, bro. Oh man, I think, um, I mean, I think character is the cornerstone of leadership really in any sphere because someone listening to this what, might not be in ministry, they might be in business, yeah. might want to get into politics, they might be in creative arts, whether that be songwriting or whatever. But I think really like, you know, I want to be the kind of leader that has a cornerstone of genuine character, mm-hmm. you know, that people, that that has empathy and integrity and like you say, like in terms of longevity. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of influential people out there that have no you know, no character, no values, man. They're just, you know, making money, um, getting a massive uh, social media following, producing music, you know, being politicians, running the world really, yeah. um, and, and really doing horrific things. 
and we hear about these things all too much. So I think primarily I'm thinking, okay, as a man, of, how can I be a man of character? How can I be a man that people trust someone who's honest? And so I think really primarily those for me are, are made the major values. Those are the pillars of leadership that you set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think within the realm of pastoral ministry, uh, I definitely think that um, what's often overlooked is people's um, a leader's love for the people. Because a lot of people have mixed motives. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and insecurities and ego can get in the way too, where people get into ministry and they just want um, certain things. You know, they want um, maybe encouragement from others, praise from people. They want to like preach really banger sermons, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever that might be, you know, yeah. and uh, um, they want that, um, that limelight. And, and I guess, you know, I, I just think that if at the end of the day, if our, if our number one goal in ministry is not to impact people through relationship with Jesus, yeah. which means that we are interested in the Bible and prayer and the state of somebody's soul, mm-hmm. someone's spiritual life. If, if, if that's not our priority, the, the, the love for an individual is not our priority, then we've got our priorities mixed up. Yeah. Because I'm only investing time in the sermon so that I can impact a life, you know, like if, right. if I'm just preaching a sermon just so people can say that was a great sermon, well, that's an entire waste of time. Then yeah. I'm just delivering 52 speeches a year, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, that's fine. But God doesn't call us to write speeches. He calls us to speak the oracles of the word. Yeah. And so, but I think fundamentally, foundationally, it's about saying, okay, I want to make sure that people are number one, mm-hmm. that my investment in them is because I love them. My heart breaks for them. You know, Jesus looked at people. He saw sheep without a shepherd. And, and then the Bible then says that God will raise up shepherds after his own heart. And that's what I, that, you know, I believe God's called us to be those shepherds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think character, but I think fundamentally as ministers, we have to, um, we have to love people yeah. primarily. And if, if we can do that, then I think that God will use us as a conduit and, and God will flow through us to really impact the lives of others. Yeah, dude, that's, that's so that encouraged me. And I, and I know that's going to encourage so many others who are, who are hearing this, um, what would you say, especially in a time, again, with what we're all going through, everything in the world, how would you say your relationship with God um, has shaped through this entire time, like through this season? Yeah, I mean, I think, you, you know, you have to, um, I think, well, number one, I think that your spiritual disciplines and your routines mm-hmm. will very much shape um, the way that you um, will shape your holistic view of God, mm-hmm. because if we if we put off God, you know, and if we're not putting fire in the fireplace, so to speak, like Leviticus yeah. six speaks, like the temp, the priest's job is to put fire on the to keep the fire alive. Mm-hmm. If we don't keep the fire alive through spiritual disciplines, then then our relationship with God becomes cold and can become aloof. Yeah. So then it's like, man, we hit with a global pandemic. We've got all this like junk dog journalism. We've got crazy political stuff taking place just across the border, mm-hmm. uh, let alone in our own country. We've got Black Lives Matter and all of the nuances that comes with that. And so yeah. we've got all these things actually happening at the same time. If I'm aloof from God, then A, I feel like the world is out of control, that it's chaotic. Therefore, I'm out of control. Therefore, God is not in control. Um, and I sort of don't know where to set my foot right. Mm-hmm. But if I'm, if I'm, if I know God is in control, if I know He is the Creator, He's my Father, He loves me, yeah. and He cares about me, then I can go through all of those things and go, okay, they're all happening, mm-hmm. and many of them are happening to us, 
uh, or through us or we've had experiences in all of these different facets of, of, of society, I can go, okay, God, me and God are good. Mm. And so eternally I'm safe. He's now called me to impact and I can make a positive difference in all of those fears while at the same time knowing that uh, God is in control despite the fact that people are out of control, policies yeah. out of control, people's decision making is out of control. You know, like I think about Black Lives Matter and I'm like, man, it's got to the point now where people of color are saying, okay, like it's, like it's over, man. Like enough is enough. We've been treated so poorly for so long. Like it's come to, it's come to a head. Yeah. So I'm going, man, people's, people's decision-making has been so out of control that whole pockets of, of really minorities all over the world are saying like something needs to change. Yeah. So I'm going, man, first of all, they're not wrong. Something does need to change. Mm -hmm. So how have we got to this point? Well, it's been yeah. so bad for so long right. that people are blowing the whistle, so to speak. But yet I think that God has given us dominion. We've ruined it. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean he's out of control. Exactly. Yeah. So then I'm going, okay, cool. I'm, he's my anchor for the soul. You know, the Bible says. Mm -hmm. So I can be heavily involved in policy, in the lives of people, in conversations and making a difference in, in lives. But I know that my anchor is Christ. Yeah. My anchor is not which which um which party gets elected my anchor is not who leads the country my anchor is not all those things my anchor is jesus yeah and so i think during times of immense pressure and stress if those daily disciplines in our relationship with god are present mm -hmm. then it can make that process quicker because we go no nah, god you're good i know you i know you got my back you know yeah dude that's that's a hundred percent facts right there um even the analogy i get like sometimes when people want to go to the gym and they got their goal and what they want to do. But if you don't put those disciplines in at the very beginning, it's going to be really hard to reach yeah. your goal. And what I've realized, like for me, um, as a leader, as a pastor, even a husband, when you set those disciplines at the beginning, even when things aren't crazy like the world is right now, but you keep focusing on God and knowing that he's your anchor, like you just said, that whenever a pandemic or whenever a situation occurs or a movement is being shifted or anything, you know that everything can get shifted and shaken and all that. But if your foundation, who you're anchored to is secure, like yeah. it won't matter. Um, yeah. And so that right there is something that I think a lot of people struggle with is they just don't know because they can't see God. So they don't know yeah. where the relationship's at. Um, yeah. A lot of people right now in this time are getting discouraged because of the things that they see aren't changing um, the dreams that they had, they can't see them yeah. happen because of everything. What would you say to someone who has a dream? Um, it could be a dream for God, from God or, or just a dream that they've always had. But because of the fact that everything they're seeing is really discouraging, what would you say to that person to kind of encourage them to keep the faith in that sense with the dream that they, that they have? Oh, look, I, I mean, I think you know when i think about the olympic games right think about the 100 meter sprint which is like the it's the blue ribbon event of the olympic games you could yeah. have you know the most epic pole vault taking place the gymnastics all of that kind of stuff but people are waiting for 100 meters 200 meters four by 100 meters um and for those who love running like the 1500 meters you know yeah. the marathon distance but really the 100 meter sprint like mm -hmm. if you could only name one athlete you know everyone's like no oh, usain bolt you know that's right and I think that there are, there are only two ways you can get disqualified in a 100-meter sprint, basically. There's only two ways. Number one is a lane, a lane violation. Mm. So if you, um, if you put your foot on 
um, you know, on the on the lanes. So you have to stay in your lane. Yeah. So if you if you touch the the paint, that's a lane. It's what's called a lane violation, and you're instantly disqualified. Mm. The second way you get disqualified is if you don't finish the race in athletics or in sport. You call it DNF. Did not finish. Yeah. And so in the race, there's only two ways you don't finish or get disqualified. Number one is a lane violation. And number two is if you don't finish. And it's very much the same with our faith. There's only two ways we get disqualified. Number one is if we try and imitate someone else, that's a lane violation. And number two is if we just don't finish, i.e. if you quit. If you think, like, if we think about for a minute, how many dreams have been eliminated because the person who had the dream quit? Right. Like. Wow. Countless. Yeah. How many of those dreams have been dashed because of money or obstacles or um, lack of patience, whatever that might be. There mm-hmm. are other things in the way. The number will be far less. But the person who had the dream just going, you know, I quit. You know, wow. like if you, even if you think about death, like how many, how many dreams have been dashed by death? I reckon it would be a really small amount. Yeah. But how many have been dashed by people just saying, oh, I don't have what it takes. Mm. So I think, and then the second thing is, is the lane violation. So that's just imitation of others. So yeah. we try and be someone else and not be who God has called us to be and stay mm-hmm. true to the dream that he has in our hearts. When we try too much to be someone else, then all of a sudden it's impossible to be somebody else. Yeah. So, so I think, um, I think if I would say to anyone who has a dream, don't give up mm. like, and guarantee that like Jesus said, you know, trials will come, but don't worry about it because I've overcome the world. Right. You know, it's like this, it's like this trials will come. If that was it, if that was the, the whole script, you'd be like, oh, bro, really? Like, yeah. where are you at? You know? And he's like, but don't worry about it. I got you. I've overcome the world. Yeah. And so I think you have to, you can't look at the second half. We love quoting the second half. I'm mm-hmm. an overcomer. Yeah. Jesus overcome. I'm more than a conqueror. But the apostle Paul who wrote that was stripped and beaten and flogged and shipwrecked and imprisoned. Yeah. Like this man, this man went through so much abuse for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, yo, we're more than conquerors, you know? And so <laughs> we can't quote, can't quote the second half without knowing the first half. That's so right. you can't quote the first half without knowing the second half. Yeah. Exactly. So if you've got a dream, great, you'll have trials. But don't worry about it because Jesus has overcome the world. Be at peace. It's going to be tough, but everything's going to be okay. Just don't give up. Mm-hmm. I really believe that that's, for me, that's the message of the scriptures as I read them. Like God's given us a future and a hope. One of the best ways that that's dashed though, is if we decide, ah, oh, nah, it's not for me too hard. Yeah. And, uh, I think that that encouragement right there is going to, um, definitely encourage some people, uh, for sure in this moment. And I think even later on, whenever they watch this, maybe another time or listen to another time, um, because that truth is there that if you, I love how you put the analogy with, with track and field, if you get into violation of someone else, or if you don't finish those, like that's on us, like it's not on anyone else. Um, and I think even sometimes there's that responsibility that we don't want. Like you said, we read the one part of scripture, we're more than conquerors. Yes, I can do anything. But we, again, we forget the first part, like you're gonna face trials, then realize, you know, so there's, there's, that, there's that responsibility that we need to hold on to. I think it's the same with faith where we will pray for God to do something but if we don't have the responsibility to open up our mouth and actually pray instead of thinking it, oh, yeah, you know, God knows my, my heart, so I don't need to say anything. But he wants to hear from us. He wants us to express yeah. how much we love him. We can't just look at our spouse and assume they know we love them. 
for 10 mm -hmm. years and not once say it like that you won't it might not work that long like you yeah. have to be vocal and you have to be open and like i said it's the same when it comes when it comes to god um i just got one more question that i want to ask and uh, and it's just like it's you personally um what in your opinion what do you think is next for you like what's next for levi either that's um as a family man as a pastor as a leader like what's next for you in in this season that you believe yeah. god's doing in your life yeah that's brilliant bro yeah look i mean you know we're we're basically about to walk into in business what they what they call q4 mm -hmm. q4 is fourth quarter october november december um and i think that that's for me as the, in the last two years what i've learned about about canada about canadian culture mm. is that q4 and often q1 as well are both um really a really uh, hard working and quite resilient seasons in the lives of canadians so canadians love summer and they often just disappear in the summer you don't see people for like three months it's beautiful but in the fall and, the, and then in the winter time heading through to the spring school that's the biggest school um that's basically the school year mm -hmm. it's very much a time of routine for people i think it's also a time of decision making as they come through to the new year and they start to be in the valley decision about what's happening next year mm -hmm. plus you have the added nature of the pandemic so everything that people are going through yep. so i think for me i'm going okay cool what's god speaking to me about for q4 and then what's god speaking to me about for q1 mm. and i think that probably over the next 12 to 18 months i think the church is going to go through very much a resiliency kind of journey mm -hmm. of firming up our core beliefs because there have been so many events and so many things that the church has done that the church will no longer do or yeah. will probably just devalue you know so then it's like what do we really value so i think that personally i'm going through that process i think our churches mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, so I, th I think that's probably some clarity. Like I really feel like God wants us to invest in key ministries. Hmm. So what are those ministries? What does God want to breathe on in this next season? And then for us personally, man, I reckon we'll buy a house in the next couple of months. Yeah. I think that will be um, permanent residents of Canada, hopefully in the next few months as well. Mm -hmm. um, as we, um, as we just finish off that paperwork with the government. So yeah. two really huge steps for us as a family. Um, and so we were kind of waiting to buy a house and waiting for permanent residency to yeah. come through by our home. So hopefully both of those things will happen, um, you know, like in the next, in the next couple of months. So really, really looking forward to that. So it's an exciting time personally. And then also for the church, it's a really, um, it's an adventurous time, you know, yeah. where we can be, we can be, uh, you know, look, God has brought the church and the good news of Christ and his people through pestilence and plague and war and famine and flood. Mm -hmm. And, and he can he can bring us through COVID-19 of that I have no doubt. Mm -hmm. So then, okay, God, where are you leading us? Where's the cloud by day, fire by night? What's God, what are you saying? Where are you taking us? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just trying to, um, as best I can, figure that out for our church community. Yeah, dude, that's that's amazing. I'll continue to be praying for you and your family for all those things. Thanks, bro. Thank um, you. Because it's definitely exciting, like you said, but knowing that, uh, it just, it's not going to end here because there's going to be more things. Like, I believe that for you guys, it's literally, I know you've been here almost about two years, you said, at, yep. in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. um, you guys probably haven't even scratched the surface. Like, I'm believing that where you are right now is, like, just on the floor. God's got so much more for you guys to reach yep. out to. Amen. Thank um, you. So just keep going forward. Keep, um, you know, pursuing him. And even, like you said, when things get rocky and you don't know where your head's at sometimes just keep that focus on the dream that God has probably set from the very beginning 
knowing that, yeah, there's going to be trials, but yeah. you know, you're going to overcome those things. That's brilliant, bro. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, dude, I appreciate it. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So again, enjoy your day. I appreciate you, you. And uh, I'm just excited for what's to come. And hopefully we'll be able to connect again in person or online. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, bro. Talk soon. Yeah, man. Take care. All right. All right, bro. All right. Bye. See ya. Bye.